Hey, folks, on today's episode of The Total Soccer Show, Daryl and I are going to be previewing the U.S. men's national team upcoming game against Costa Rica. We do our best to pick a starting 11. We look at what Costa Rica might do and who some of their threatening players might be. And we close up by answering some Twitter questions about this U.S. national team roster and Greg Berhalter's tactics and all that good stuff. Uh, I also wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Robinhood. Uh, with Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to totalsoccer.robinhood.com. That's totalsoccer.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who always makes my match day roster. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I like that I consistently make your match day roster. I do appreciate that. You sure do. Otherwise, it's just me here in studio mm. on my own. But that's not the only reason. No. Um, so we are here today to preview the U.S. men's national team mm-hmm. January camp game that's happening February 1st obviously um, against Costa Rica we have a final 22 man squad there's been changes and a few people have been uh, sent back for CONCACAF Champions League Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a final 22 man roster we have the Costa Rica roster we have ideas about what we want to see in this game and we have listener questions so uh, people will be asking us we have uh, lots of things what they want to know we have a lot going on with this game we do indeed we may be accused of paying too much attention to a January camp I think this is a fascinating January camp because it's a little bit different to your mm-hmm. usual January game. Because it's uh, three different teams, essentially, combined into one camp playing kind as one of. team. Oh, yeah. Okay, I would have said it's two teams, the mm-hmm. senior team and the under-23 team preparing right. for the Olympics. Who's the, who's the third team you're I mean, you have to? at least three to four, like 18 to 17-year-olds in there. Okay, yeah. So I like you've got an even younger group in there because you've got <laughs> so some the, people who are like, ah, they're a little young to make the U23 squad. So the seniors, the under-23s, uh-huh. and uh, whatever comes after millennials. The babies. <laughs> Generation mm-hmm. Z. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think millennial can be what, like, if you're born in 1981 until now or something? That's a bit, yeah. bit broad. It's any time you want to say young people today. No, okay, basically. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> These kids. These um, kids. So if you haven't seen the U.S. roster, it mm-hmm. is now down to 22 because Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris mm-hmm. um, have gone back to Seattle. Uh, Martinkowski excuse mm-hmm. me, has gone back to San Jose. So we are left with um, 22 players, 13 of whom are under 23 eligible, mm-hmm. which is important because we've been saying this from the beginning. We, I really confidently believe this. One of the main points of this January camp and this February game against Costa Rica is to get these guys ready for March mm-hmm. Olympic qualifying. It's all international experience. Are you aware also that the U20 national team played a friendly against the senior national team yes. as well? So we've got that going on yeah. in conjunction with this it? camp. Did you watch the footage they put out? I tried to sort of glean what I could from it, but it was like weird angles. Yeah, and like was, some of the sidelines were cones. It was definitely it was... designed to not tell you anything that happened in the game, yep. aside from like, here's a player on the ball, and here's the player <laughs> talking about that friendly. Now here's a player on the ball, and yep. here's a player talking about the scrimmage. We refused to it. give you context of what position he was playing. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was only 2-0 for the senior team, so it wasn't okay. like it was a blowout and they couldn't show anything, yeah. but maybe they just didn't want to give away any of the secrets. Yep. I, I do think one of the big things is, I know Jason Christ mm-hmm. was present for that. Jason Christ, the U23 coach, yep. I think he's been kind of involved in what's going on uh, with this camp with Berhalter. Yeah. There was a lot of, of in that video, like silhouette shots of Ernie Stewart, Greg Berhalter, yeah. uh, Jason Christ, and Anthony Hudson all together. B-Mac was yeah. Brian McBride uh, uh, present I didn't see well. him in there. I didn't see it him It would make there. sense for him to be there. And right? it would also break the Mount Rushmore of having four people in there. If you're thrown by Brad McBride, now you're at five. I don't know what we're at at that point. It also does reinforce the idea um, that there is 
I hate to use the word, but synergy mm-hmm. <laughs> between the U20s, the U23s, and the senior men's national yep. team in terms of the style of soccer that they play, which really is a thing that everybody has asked for throughout the years, mm-hmm. right? We have wanted the youth teams to play a similar style to the, the senior teams. And I, I think that's, again, is part of this, is the U23 team that plays in March, Olympic qualifying, is even though Christ is the coach, it's going to have a bear-halter flavor to mm-hmm. it, right? They've been learning the patterns of play throughout January. This is true. But it then begs the question, and I don't know if we want to have this conversation now or later on but like what then is the point of this friendly against Costa Rica because if you have different like age group eligible players in this camp is it sort of we want to see what some of the Olympic players can do against the senior opponent is it what we want to see what the senior players can do with a few of the youngsters thrown in is it is it something else entirely I'd say yes to both okay from what, from what I've heard Behel to say mm-hmm. it's about like progressing the group in terms of some of the senior right. players that are still around like uh, what Walker Zimmerman mm-hmm. Aaron Long get them just more time with the national team more time in camp and it's about um, yeah seeing what these youngsters have to offer both uh, can they offer something in March and mm-hmm. down the road because yeah. once the Olympics is over these guys hopefully still have an international future there are definitely guys on this roster who might have a role to play for the senior men's national t- team in the like medium near term future yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I still think in terms of where we're going when it comes to the starting 11, my assumption would be that we'll see Burhalter sort of play a straightforward starting 11 or a f- somewhat familiar starting 11, I mean, given the personnel he has. Given the personnel he has. Maybe we should list the roster because sure. people might be unfamiliar. But it's impossible to pick a familiar-looking Burhalter roster, right? There's going to be some youth somewhere mm-hmm. on this roster. Some like interesting uh, spark of the unknown is going to be in the starting 11 just by virtue of who's on the roster. All yes, right? I think okay. that's probably true. So here's your goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Sean Johnson, Bill Hamid, Matt Turner. Yep. All right, as your goalkeepers. Your fullbacks are Reggie Cannon and Julian Araujo are your right backs. Uh, Sam Vines and Chase Gasper mm-hmm. are your left backs. How did I nearly forget Chase Gasper's magnificent first you? name? Um, your centre backs are the classics, Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Lang. Mm-hmm. And then your exciting new guys, Mark McKenzie and Justin Glad. Yes. Yeah? Am I still still this blows my mind, my mind that Justin Glad is a new guy. 22 years old. I think, I, I, think I, I wrote this in my notes, but like if you asked me six to eight months ago how old is Justin Glad and how many caps does he have, I would have been like 24, 25, maybe 26, and he's probably got like eight or ten caps. He's 22 <laughs> with zero caps. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> Um, in midfield, mm-hmm. you've got Jackson Yule, yep. who I, I'm really interested in because I think he's ready to stake a claim. So that, that's the phrase the US has been using, right? Um, for that number six spot, mm-hmm. even ahead of a, definitely an injured Michael Bradley and certainly ahead of uh, uh, Will Trapp. Mm-hmm. He might be the U23 number six, and he might be the senior men's national team number six. Yeah, I'm surprised you even phrase it that way, because I think, especially with no Michael Bradley and the injury he has, and until Tyler Adams returns, I think, yeah, Jackson Ewell's the starting number six. Nailed on. All right, so Jackson Ewell, uh, Christian Kappis, Brandon Savania, Mm -hmm. Brandon Aronson, uh, Sebastian Leggett, Brian Keo, Mm -hmm. who is, what, 17, 18 years old? 17 years old. Unattached, but probably signing with the Bundesliga team as soon as he's 18. Your wingers are Jonathan Lewis, Ulysses Janes, Paul Ariola. So uh, that's like one one established Paul Ariola, mm-hmm. one uh, medium age, as mm-hmm. in he's got some caps for Berhalter. Uh, he's familiar, but not that familiar, and Jonathan mm-hmm. Lewis, and one international unknown yep. in Ulysses Janes. I love correct. that. The wing. I think that group represents what's going on with this team. Yep. Um, and then your forwards are Jesse Zardes, the, the tried and true, um, and Jesus Ferreira, mm-hmm. who is interesting because he is now committed to the US, he is a US citizen. We don't know if the, pa- the FIFA paperwork will be filed in time for Jesus Ferreira right. to play in this game. It seems unlikely, but you never know. Fingers crossed. We'll see if everybody gets <laughs> their work done on Friday afternoon, and then it all, can all happen. Yeah, so d- do some admin. Do some <laughs> admin, admin FIFA. All right, so you've listed the roster. Should we try to figure out maybe what we think the starting 11 might look like? We tend to do the combination of what we kind of hope for mixed more so with what we think Berhalter will want to do in this game. Um, I've just gone with what I what I would do. Okay. Right? And All I right. think it matches with what Berhalter would do. All right. What, what's your 11 like? Is it a Berhalter guess or a Taylor, it's, or a Taylor it's preference? It's more so a Berhalter guess with okay. a, couple, a couple spicy additions. All right. Do we have a, a sort of a basic 4-3-3 three, three for yep. both of us? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, who do you have in goal? Um, I went with Sean Johnson, although I have no real strong feelings about anybody else. We did have the question about should it be Matt Turner? We'll so get to that later. Maybe it should be Matt Turner. Who knows? Uh, and Bill Hamid is, is in there as well, as you said. But I think Sean Johnson, 
seemed as though he was going to be the number two. Now maybe Brad Guzanda's in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I feel like we haven't seen Sean Johnson get many starts under Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Maybe he gets a half, and even then, this is not it. so much. I think there's only one game. Yeah. Um, Sean Johnson is the most senior keeper mm-hmm. on this roster, because often when Berhalter picks a full-strength team, it's Zach Steffen, Brad Guzan, and Sean Johnson, yeah. right? So this is Sean Johnson's time to shine. Mm-hmm. I him, would agree with that. Get him that start. All yeah. right, so you're back four. Who are your centre-backs? And again, it's Zimmerman and Long, which is a sort of senior team classic pairing. Mm-hmm. And then McKenzie. Um, and who's the fourth one? Oh, Justin Glad. Mm-hmm. The aforementioned Justin Glad. Um, I think it will be Zimmerman and Long. I would like it to be a veteran and, an, and a relative newbie. Again, yes. McKenzie and Glad have zero uh, caps between them. Uh, I would maybe... And the real possible starters... Mm-hmm. In March, right? Yeah. In the Olympic qualifiers. Yes. The other one is Miles Robinson, who I believe they wanted to call into this camp, but Atlanta were like, yeah. no, you broke him last time. No, thank we're you. We're keeping him this time. <laughs> no, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Um, so I, I have gone for uh, Aaron Long and Justin Glad. Those, I've gone for those... Aaron Long and Mark McKenzie. Okay. But we've gone with the same mm-hmm. uh, formula, yes, right? Um, so. An established player and a younger player. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, and and I would be fine with with it being McKenzie. McKenzie's two years younger than Glad, uh, but I think just because I've enjoyed Glad's passing a bit more more recently, uh, I watched some footage of Mark McKenzie. He is decent uh, in possession, but definitely is much more about ball winning, at least from the video that I saw. Oh, that's interesting. I think of, I, saw, I think of the other way around. I think of Justin Glad as the more sort of athletic, uh, big guy, fast guy, closing speed can do the defending but his passing is a recent addition to his game whereas McKenzie I feel like it's more of a core part of his game is his ability to play the ball out of the back maybe mm. they're both good at both and we're just in a perfect world here maybe, maybe so maybe so <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard Justin Glad called very fast before oh, really? but uh, sure I'll take that one well you never hear him called slow let's put it that way <laughs> I, I never is a word, right. um, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see if he gets outpaced or not. Uh, um, yeah, but so that, that's what I had there. So you, right. and you had McKenzie and Long. Yep. Okay. So what about fullbacks? I've gone for Reggie Cannon, it just the senior yes. right back starting at. Right he's back. in the leadership group, by the way. He is in the leadership mm-hmm. group. Um, he's come a long way in a year, right? Yes. In terms of how senior he is with the national team. Mm-hmm. He's also we mentioned this in the last show. He's been mentioned as a, a likely player in March because he's age eligible. He's like a senior team player that will get bumped down mm-hmm. to the U twenty threes for Olympic qualifying. So I think when you, if you have someone like McKenzie or Glad playing on the back line, mm-hmm. it would be good to get him minutes, uh, them minutes alongside Reggie Cannon. Yeah, that yeah. works for me. So yeah, then I've gone there. with Reggie Cannon on the right. And then I've gone for the man you almost forgot, Chase Gasper on Chase the left. Gasper. I don't know if that will happen because... It's Gasper or Vines, basically, right? Yes, but we haven't seen Chase Gasper. Uh, we haven't seen Sam Vines either with the national team yet. Uh, we also haven't seen an, a very attacking left back, at least not consistently, yeah. uh, in Greg Berhalter's back four. I'd argue Gasper's more attacking than Vines. I would agree with yeah. that, which is why I chose him because okay. I would like to see the United States try a little bit of an attack and especially if you don't have a kind of player that you're comfortable with being the left back who becomes the left center back and then the right uh, back gets forward yeah. if you're going to change it up a little bit I wouldn't mind seeing sort of two attacking fullbacks uh, interchanging who goes forward and when um, and I think you could do that if you have Reggie Cannon on one side and Chase Gasper on the other okay yeah I'm with it I'm, with it. I'm also just thinking in terms of seniority like Gasper was in that like MLS camp mm-hmm. call up in November He's maybe closer to yep. uh, making a senior team debut, mm-hmm. whereas Sam Vines really is like a possible player for the U23s. It just makes more sense that Gasper gets his senior team debut and Vines just, there's value to him just being in camp for a month. Yes, right? I, I um, would say so. Okay, uh, I've got Jackson Yule as my number six. I do indeed. I want to see him run this game. I yep. want to see Jackson. I basically want to see Jackson Yule again. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed what I saw from him against Canada in November. I enjoyed the clever little touches to get himself um, out of tight spaces. Nice passing, some ta- unexpected tackling, unexpected aggression in his tackling. I I think there's a chance, like I said earlier, that he is absolutely the US number six right now. Right now, yeah. What, what do you mean uh, again? Because I'm confused. Like you're saying that as though it's like I'm just going to say it, but it's like, I'm, like Bradley's I'm out for four months if, and Tyler Adams. Is I'm saying it, if Bradley is fully fit. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I haven't factored Tyler Adams into this. No, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so, I guess what I'm saying is maybe it's Jackson Yule versus Tyler Adams in the future. Uh-huh. Um, and this is Jackson Yule's sort of chance to build a case for himself before Tyler Adams comes back. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. And especially if Yule goes to the Olympics mm-hmm. qualifying in March, Adams goes to the senior team, then when we get to the summer, it's going to be who do I go with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be interesting then, probably the Bundesliga guy, because right? we would assume it's Tyler <laughs> Adams, which means it would be Jackson Ewell as the kind of alternate. Yeah. But then the question the is, do you want track. him with the alternate or do you want him playing with the Olympic team? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right, ahead of Jackson Yule, yep. I've gone for Brendan Aronson as the number eight and Sebastian Legette as my number ten. Interesting. Uh, I went with Brandon Cervania as my number eight. Okay. Uh, I could also see Christian uh, Kappas getting a start at number eight as well since he is more of a number six uh, at club level. Yeah. But I think for what Berhalter wants as like that eight kind of box-to-box, does some destroying, uh, makes those runs late, I think Kappas could do that uh, for him as well. Okay. I, I personally just want to see mm-hmm. Brendan Aronson because he's like – was in that camp before mm-hmm. i feel like he's close to his debut i feel like he deserves it i don't know what's happened in camp how impressive or not he's been but he'll be my choice to play number eight and sebastian Najet, i think is one yep. of the essentially senior he's like the understudied to christian pulisic right mm-hmm. in that number 10 spot but he's one of the senior roster players and i feel like for this team to have some some semblance of the senior team uh sebastian Najet needs to start yep yeah. i'm right there with you i had it as Legette, Savania, and then jackson yule okay so it's just the number eight we disagree on yep. right um, okay uh then wingers i've gone experience of paul Ariola on one side and the inexperience of ulysses Giannis on the other <laughs> now how much of that is what you think will happen versus how much of that is what you hope happens um maybe 50 50 of both uh, i feel like in a weird way Behelter always seems to do Jonathan Lewis wrong and mm-hmm. only give him substitute minutes. Yeah. So it, fi- it feels like, in terms of seniority, Lewis should start on the left ahead of Ulysses Giannis. Which, that's who I have starting, by the but way. But I feel like Behelter will just be like, you know what, I like this Ulysses kid. You're going to be uh, last 20 minutes again, Jonathan. If that does happen, do you read anything into that? Not especially. Okay. I think, I mean, honestly, there are, what, say two winger spots and there are three wingers. Mm-hmm. They're all going to get decent minutes, right? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Whoever doesn't start will probably get we'll, some time off the bench. We'll, we'll answer that question later on. Oh, yes, we mm-hmm. will. Yes, we will. Yep. All right. I did, I, did some, I did some researching. If you were just like, trying to win this game, mm-hmm. who would you – say we have Ariola on the right. If you were just trying to win this game, would you uh, go for Jonathan Lewis or go for Ulysses Giannis? Jonathan Lewis. Jonathan Lewis. Uh, which is, again, what I had. I had Jonathan Lewis with uh, Paul Ariola on the other side and Jesse Zardes up top uh, because – We've seen a little bit more from Jonathan Lewis. He he's the player you were. I talked about this on Top Draw with Travis as well. He's like not a newbie, but he's not a veteran. He's yeah, got yeah. like what five caps, between, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing what he can do with a start from the start. That's true. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing a, a somewhat more veteran, experienced front line to see how they combine, uh, and then maybe bring in some youngsters later on to see what they can do against potentially tired legs. Okay, that's fair. Um, I have gone for Jesus Ferreira starting. Really available. I. I'm just very excited about the potential of Ferreira being that mm. number nine that can come back and link up play and let people run in behind him. Um, and I'm I'm just eager to see it, basically. I Isn't recognize- that heavily dependent on whether or not he's legally allowed to play? Absolutely. Okay. But if he is, I would like to see him start. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you're going for uh, gets the clearance and then starts? Yes. All right. Yeah. I want the paperwork coming in at five minutes to four. And Ferreira like, straight on the field. I feel like if I were giving a percentage on which of this is realistic versus which of this is Daryl, I'm going to say like 65% of this is Daryl. I would find it hard to argue at this point, but I'm all in. I've written down my, I've written down my 11 and this is what I'm going with. Yeah. Uh, all right. So even, even if Zardes starts, um, mm-hmm. not unhappy, right? Yep. Zardes is what? Top scorer for the US uh, last year for the, for the men's national team. Um, I still would hope huh. to see Ferreira off mm-hmm. the bench later in the game. Yeah, yes. see what he's got. Because I really think he's he's got um, a skill set that could see him be part of the U.S. striker pool um, in the very near future. I, I'm just going to say this now in hopes of being wrong. I have a feeling we do not see Jesus Ferreira at all. For paperwork game. reasons? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing we can do mm-hmm. if that's what happens. So, and right? Yes, for paperwork reasons. And then also like somebody like uh, Brian Kao, for example, mm-hmm. I think is, is 17, is unattached, was probably brought in to get him some experience, to get him some reps just because he's been without a club. But he's one who, like, while I would be excited to see, I don't think we will because I still think Berhalter will kind of use it as an opportunity to play some veteran players and then give some youngsters minutes. Yeah. And then and the really, really youngsters. Sense, right? Congrats, you made it to camp. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, and even if you're just like bringing people off the bench, like you said, say Giannis comes on, mm-hmm. say uh, Julian Araujo comes on, uh, another one of the midfielders comes on, if Ferreira comes on, yeah, suddenly all those substitute mm-hmm. spots are used up and Brian Keo is just uh, watched from the bench. That is correct. But it's still pretty good. Better than I was doing at 17. <laughs> True. So we've got our potential starting 11s that, that we've gone for. We're going to talk more specifically about some of the players we've already talked about when we get to the listener questions and some of the questions about this roster. But we should also maybe talk a little little bit about the opponent, Costa yes, Rica. Yes, Los Ticos. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so interestingly, Costa Rica are our first Olympic opponent mm-hmm. in March. Um, but this is not really their under-23 team in the way that it's kind of our under-23 team, right? Correct. There are a handful of youngsters on here, 
But there are also a lot of names you will recognize mm-hmm. from uh, battles past with Costa Rica. Looking at you, Marco Ureña. And you constant thorn in our side, you. <laughs> and then I would throw in a third tier, similar to the, what like the U.S. roster is, where you've got like veterans, somewhat newbies, and then very much newbies. Yeah. Costa Rica have a lot of guys who are like 24, 25, 26 who've made like three caps for the national team or yep. eight caps. It's, it's similar to like the Jonathan Lewis a, a yeah. little bit in that they've got some – veteran players and then they've got some like medium veteran in there and those guys i am more unfamiliar with than familiar with so i'm excited to see how they balance out this squad as well and if people are wondering this is obviously costa rica have picked a roster in a similar way to the u.s has to in january none of their european based players right so there's no brian ruiz there's no uh joel campbell there's no kaylor navas those names are not there but basically if you play in the costa rican domestic league Mm -hmm. or you play major league soccer um that that's who's on this roster that is (laughs) correct yes um you did a bit of research tailoring to uh names that Mm -hmm. jump out at you um anyone you want to highlight for our listeners i mean i'll start with the name of the coach uh, Ronald Gonzalez who took over in 2019 he is it seems like going to be doing what we've come to expect from Costa Rica does he love a wing back yeah he does love a wing back a a back three slash five Uh a five three two a three one four two on occasion but that's what I would expect Uh, and that's where it gets sort of interesting because his back three consistently in Nations League games for example was uh, Calvin Waston Gonzalez only Gonzalez is on this roster okay so I think if he does go with the back three you'll see some experimentation and some new names the one I would not mind seeing, albeit uh, knowing that it would scare me, is Pablo Arboin, I think is how you say it. Okay, maybe? I'm not familiar um, with him. 21 year, it's probably like Arboin. 21-year-old uh, center back for San Carlos. Uh, from what I watched of him, he was quick and aggressive, goes hard on the tackles. He will go hard on a slide tackle, and he had one from behind on a breakaway where he did like the poke the ball away as the player's about to shoot yeah. and then takes out the player, and the player can't even protest. They want to so hard because they've ended up on but the ground, clean? but it's clean. Oh, yeah. so but, Pablo Arboin. But the thing that really stood out to me from him was that he is very calm on the ball. There's moments when he gets the ball sort of in the corner flag and and like one time I think he megged an opposition player to play the ball forward into a central midfielder, so he seems very poised and, and composed when he He's in possession, and yet he will do this sort of like, like the way like a goalkeeper used to punt, where it was like at a diagonal when he would kick the ball. Yeah. That's how he'll do his long ball clearances, except they routinely land in the path of an attacker. His his distribution, so he, like, Nick Romando's distribution. Yes, his yeah. distribution is very good in terms of playing balls in sidewinder. Yeah, but he'll like play it up to Arena like as the yeah. lone target, or he'll play it into the channels for on rushing uh, attackers. So I think if the United States is slow to start or gives him a little bit too much time on the ball, he is more than capable of hitting runners over the top. All right, I see some familiar names mm-hmm. in midfield. Uh, David Guzman, he's now back in Costa Rica. He'll be familiar yep. uh, to Portland Timbers fans, right? Like, tough guy defensive midfielder who has a tough guy face, mm-hmm. right? He has the face that matches his game. He does. Uh, David Guzman. Uh, Yeltsin Tejada, a name that's uh, been around a while. Um, Ulysses Segura will be familiar to DC United fans. Are there any um, mm-hmm. any other Costa Ricans you want to uh, highlight for our listeners? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, Randall Leal is a 23-year-old central midfielder for Nashville. Yep. Uh, he has not yet played for Nashville for obvious, obvious reasons. Uh, but he did play 47 times for September before moving to Nashville. He's two-footed. He can play central midfield, left center midfield, or left midfield, depending on where they want to utilize him. Uh, But he's very good on the ball and very good with his vision. He, too, has good passing ability, especially long balls. Uh, He he will work very hard defensively. He'll track back in, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him as one of those midfield three and kind of trying to clog the middle. But then when he's on the ball, he splits splits defenders. He looks for quick, incisive passes, and I think he will be very good and has played for them at Nations League level previously. All right, you should a couple more players you want to highlight? Let's, let's get to him. Uh, Luis Diaz, 21-year-old uh, right midfielder for the Columbus Crew. Okay. Uh, he is one, the way I've kind of, from the footage I watched of Costa Rica, it feels like a game that could be 3-0 to the United States or it could be 3-0 to Costa Rica, depending on <laughs> who, in between. who comes out more aggressive. <laughs> I mean, it could be a nil-nil, but you know, whatever. Um, but I think really whoever comes out on the front foot ra- raring to go yeah. will be the one who wins this game. And Luis Diaz is a good example of that, that if you give him time and the space to run, he is fast, he can outrun players, he will work very, very hard. But if you put a little bit of pressure on him and slow him down, you don't see much in the way of creativity from him, at least not from what I saw. He's like, so like a lot of times, when he would have a defender in front of him, he would do a sort of like, uh, I'm just going to shoot and hit the ball as hard as he could from 25 yards out. But if you give him time to run or space to run into, he can get past you very quickly or usually will tuck inside and open up space for an advancing fullback. This is Randall Leal. Mm-hmm. Um, am I right in assuming that 
Costa Rica will do the classic Costa Rica thing of five at the back, mm-hmm. re- like reasonably well organized, hit you on the counter. Yes, yeah. It, it feels like that would be their plan, and then it will be not quite late arriving wing backs, but like just as you think, okay, maybe we've slowed them down. They don't have anything else on. Then you'd see Matarata, Matarita come flying in yes. for the wide open overlap and cross into the box. And please tell me you saw some footage of Manfred Ugaldi. I did not. Seventeen. I, I didn't. No? I wasn't okay. sure there would be any. I, in terms of the attack, I went for Ariel Lasseter instead. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. son of Roy! Yeah, son of Roy, who uh, played for the national for the U.S. national team, but was born in Costa. Er, he played for U.S. at youth levels. Yeah, uh, born in Costa Rica, though, so switched his allegiances. Former it, Galaxy like, youth player, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now playing for uh, Alajuelense. Alajuelense. Yeah, sure, why not? Easy for me to say. Uh, he's listed as a midfielder. He usually plays as an attacker for Alajuelense. Almost. <laughs> Alajuelense is the easy way to do it. Um, but he is very fast but keeps the ball very close. So, again, he's a player who if you let him build up a head of steam and build up a little bit of confidence, I think the United States is going to struggle because he's quick but keeps the ball close, yeah. tends to lead to fouls, tends to take those free kicks, tend to put them on frame and cause problems. All right, so here's what I'm mm-hmm. seeing and hearing yeah. is that this Costa Rica team is slightly more senior or slightly closer to that A team than the U.S. men's national team. Is. I, would, I would say so, yeah. Because we've mm-hmm. picked guys like Ulysses Janes, yep. who's their first time out, and uh, Ferreira, and mm-hmm. Brian Keo, yeah. and, and so on. To me, that this makes this game more interesting than last time we played Costa Rica in a January-February friendly, I where, agree. where we picked the strongest possible January team and beat up on them. With, with the caveat that like anytime you watch a lot of footage of individual players, they do either they get way worse or more often they get better and better and better. And then suddenly you're like, how are we going to play against any of these guys? And maybe they won't end up playing at all. But I do think this team from top to bottom looks like a more senior team, certainly than the U.S. team we're going to be uh, seeing come out in that starting 11. And so I think it's a, it's a decent challenge for the U.S. compared to some January friendlies when it's like Serbia's B team or Bosnia's yeah, yeah. C team. This feels like a Costa Rica team that, yes, it's not their A team. And it's, but it's but, names you recognize if mm-hmm. you've seen them play before. And, and then again, names I've that you're going a, to recognize. I've seen Arena cause us trouble with his yes. constant running up for us. Yes, and I think like, like Randall Leal playing for Nashville, he's going to be much more, maybe not a household name, but a much more familiar name to MLS fans uh, this coming season. And I yeah. expect him to do very big things for Nashville. Okay, we've got some uh, listener questions from we Twitter um, about this game. Before we get into those, I just want to ask about like little things that we're looking mm-hmm. f- looking to see from this game, like what we'll be looking for in this game. Like for me, one example is I'll be looking at this game, um, looking for my voice to come back, first yeah. of all, <clears throat> looking for those bear halter patterns of play uh-huh. that we talk, we always talk about. Like the number nine comes deep, the right winger runs in behind mm-hmm. him, right? Like when the left back has the ball, like one of the, the left winger comes and shows and someone else pulls someone out of position. Those little bear haltery movements, I want to see this team doing that. But not just because it means that the Behalter thing is working. I feel like every time I watch the U.S. national team play under Behalter, I spot a new one, mm-hmm. a new pattern. And I, I almost like to catalogue the ones that I'm seeing. I've, I find myself conflicted about that, though, because I feel like they've had all of this time in camp that if they come out and they don't have everything like memorized and uh, synchronized and all that, that I'm going to be like, well, what are you guys even doing in camp? You've had this long. <laughs> but simultaneously, if we've already stated that this camp was an opportunity to sort of blend and see who can do what and where and what age group fits best, like it's then hard for me to then say, like, well, they haven't memorized everything. What's this team doing? Well, I actually think – I don't think the problem is not memorizing it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can memorize the patterns and the routes, mm-hmm. kind of. It's what happens when that meets reality, mm-hmm. right? Like, you might run that pattern, but it turns out Costa Rica have three players there instead yeah. of two. And suddenly the space that you tried to open up, there's an extra guy there, and it just isn't working. Yes. That's the interesting thing to me about it, yeah. Speaking of uh, space opening up and what happens when you run into Costa Rica – uh, with the five three two, I believe my math is correct in saying that there's going to be a lot of numbers in the middle of the field for Costa Rica. Yeah, and if the United States is trying to defend well, five in a, four one, sometimes we mm-hmm. see right. Yeah, but if they go with a flat four four two to defend the United States, oh, no. then we're going to have a massive overload through the middle, and I don't know how they will deal with that. Yeah, so I will be definitely watching the United States on defense how they sort of work to counteract what I assume will be superior numbers in the midfield from Costa Rica. And do we do the thing where like the wingers occasionally? join the forwards in the press or the, oh, the, the mid no more mid block please the reason again why I say this game could be 3-0 to the United States or 3-0 to Costa Rica is that a lot of those players that I talked about seem like players who if you put them under pressure sustain pressure and you block off options they will run into problems they will give the ball away if you sort of do that half-hearted press where like two people go and then a third people, person kind of steps 
they will play their way through that, or they will bypass it with a long ball, or dribble past you, and then the United States is going to be in trouble. So I, it really has to be, to me, a like all-or-nothing approach to this game from the U.S. because I think... In terms of the defensive yeah, style. Yeah, I think you have to come out... Re- it cannot be a, like, well, we're going to figure it out in the first 15 minutes and, like, we're just going to kind of sit back and see what happens. Like, I think the United States needs to take the game to Costa Rica early to put them on their heels because if you let Costa Rica kind of develop the way they want to... You sound like all that pressure. Go for it. A little bit, yeah. yeah that's what I would like to see. I want to see all the right. United States fighting for it early. Maybe maybe a little foul here. Maybe you leave a stud in there and uh, just let them know. Um, a similar but slightly different thing that I want to see is a commitment to to counterattacking the space when it's available yeah. instead of being like, all right, now we begin recycling the ball and moving it mm-hmm. around. Like More like the second game against Canada, the home game against Canada, if it happens that like Matarita is pushed up mm-hmm. and there's a hole there... When it happens. Yeah, when it happens, <laughs> yeah. instead of pinging the ball around or mm-hmm. moving the ball around slowly... Just hit that space. Especially Just hit again. that space for Ariola to run in behind or for yeah. Luis or Yanez to run in behind. Especially with a back back three, if you have the three center backs who don't have much experience together. Again, only Gonzalez is a regular, uh, like, uh, makes regular appearances for the national team. Yeah. So, yeah, if you've got Matarita committed forward, he's your other veteran defender. Problem is, I've heard Arboin is the best defender in the world. I mean, I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anything else you're looking for before we uh, before we move on? No, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm looking for the United States to start strong and be good. That's it. <laughs> Was before that too much to ask? We, before Maybe. we get to listener mm-hmm. questions, uh, we should let you know that you know we recently joined the Athletic. I did know. That. Turns out we are not the only Athletic podcast. What? There's another one, and it's for all sports fans. It's a daily sports podcast, and it's called The Lead. It's mm-hmm. a it's from Wondery and the Athletic of Tinder, and, and it's called The Lead. Well, the Total Soccer Show is from The Athletic and The Total Soccer Show. Does that count? <laughs> and is it's that called The Total Soccer Show. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. But this uh, is from Wondery and The Athletic, mm. and it's called The Lead. Uh, every weekday morning, The Lead brings you a deep dive into the biggest sports stories from The Athletic's all-star team of local and national sports reporters. Stories like where did 49ers new star running back Raheem Mostert uh, come from, or what can Zion Williams do for the Pelicans? And Questions we've all asked. Sometimes there are soccer stories, right? Like mm-hmm. I've heard Meg Linehan appear on there yep. to talk U.S. women's national team. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking for the full story behind behind last night's scores and today's hot takes make sure you subscribe to the lead from wondery and the athletic so thank you very much to the athletic for uh <laughs> supporting us and sponsoring today uh thank you very much to the people who sent us questions we had what are they twitter questions is that where these came yeah, from? yeah we asked for questions from twitter i will say sometimes i'm wary because mm-hmm. i'm worried about getting things like why even play this game yeah None of that. Mm. Everybody asked very specific, interesting questions. It was actually quite hard to uh, to like whittle it down to have a small enough number to answer on the show. So but, thank you, everybody, for the good questions. But whittle it you have. Well done, Mr. Oh, Grove. I did some whittling. We got some questions. The first one comes from <laughs> Matthew Canaverde. Uh, who has the most to gain from this game? I say it's Jesus Ferreira. Okay if his paperwork gets done. Mm-hmm. Because you think how shallow our striker pool is, right? It's like Josie, but his hamstrings. It's just Sargent, but it seems to be like he's but in, it's a, Bremen. in yeah. and out of form. It's, mm-hmm. But it's Werder Bremen. Um, and it's Giassi Zardes with his... There's what he brings, but there's also his limitations and the fact the fan mm-hmm. base isn't happy with him. Um, there's definitely room for a fourth striker to come in and, and mix it up, right? Mm-hmm. If Jesus Ferreira can show that he's got something to offer, I really think, uh, one, he'll nail down an Olympic qualifying spot, but then he'll be part of the actual striker pool going forward. So I think there's a lot to gain for Jesus Ferreira. Okay. Um, I've gone the more, like, Land route, I guess, based on you picking Ferreira, I would say it's Jackson Ewell for all the reasons you okay. mentioned. That this is a game in which he is going to be the sort of veteran midfielder mm-hmm. that we look to to transition from defense to attack. That we look to play those diagonals. That we look to organize and sort of shepherd things in the middle again, where we would expect there to be a slight overload. At, at least, hopefully, it's only slight. So, how he sort of runs things, if he can do it really well, and the U.S. midfield looks tight the whole game, then that to me is another like like tick in the boxes of yeah, maybe he is the number six until Tyler Adams is around and then maybe it is even more of a conversation even though it's probably Tyler Adams alright uh, Sean Hardgrove um, mm. says what are you hoping to learn from this match I have a couple things All right. um, I would like to know if the United States can dominate from opening minutes as I've said I really think they, they need to but it's not something we tend to see from the US I feel like it's sometimes a slow start sometimes they look okay but then there's a downturn the only time we've really seen them dominate uh, under Greg Berhalter was that Jamaica game that ended up was it the Jamaica game that had to be postponed momentarily due to light 
lightning yep. and everything like that, and mm-hmm. then it kind of died down after that. But those opening minutes, but we'd already won it. Yeah, but I would like that to, good. I would like to see that be the case in this game. That's one thing. Uh, how they deal with the midfield overload would be the second if they are defending in a four four two, and the third would be how they create chances in what is going to be, I think, a fast and physical game without a lot of veteran attackers. They've got Paulo Riola, they've got Jesse Zardes. We're not sure who will be the other winger. If they're able to create chances, I want to see that they can do it and that they can do it via patterns of play will be especially telling and exciting. I'm, again, hoping to learn some patterns of play, yeah. hoping to spot them just mm-hmm. from me watching. But I'm also hoping to learn about specific players that I don't know a lot about, like Ulysses Janes, mm-hmm. right? I have never seen Ulysses Janes play in a senior game, mm-hmm. meaning I've seen him play for the U.S. under-20s. Right. I've seen him play for Wolfsburg under-19s. Mm-hmm. I've never seen him play against grown men mm-hmm. consistently. I so, have that in my note for him. So yep. I want to see what it looks like. And yep. we've talked about Ulysses Jones before, right? He is capable of so many exciting things. Yep. When he drives at someone, when he dribbles at someone, when he takes a, like, a scary sh- bending shot from distance. But we've also, I remember us talking on the show in the past about maybe he's a little irresponsible sometimes in that he's trying stuff all the time mm-hmm. and the ball is not necessarily being retained. I want to see if he has the um, decision-making maturity to uh, bring his uh, like creativity and attacking talents to bear in a way that doesn't risk losing the ball every time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I th- so I think that would be a big thing. And I think we'll know after we've seen him in this game, is he ready to play uh, senior men's national team football? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to pass judgment. I'm going to say if we see him, but I would, ass- I would hope it's a when. That, okay. That's where I am yeah, with yeah. that one. Do you agree with my assessment of him with like, I literally, the potential upside and the potential downside? I, do, do you want to ask the next question? All right, you want the next question. Um, what player will you be most disappointed if they don't play? Uh, Ulysses Giannis. <laughs> okay. And, and it's because I want to see where he's at developmentally and how he plays against grown men. <laughs> I have the exact same points as you. <laughs> so, yes, I agree with your uh, assessment of him and what we hope to learn from him, which is why I will be very disappointed if we don't get at least a decent amount of minutes for Ulysses Giannis. Fair enough. There's also the idea that like, if it turns mm-hmm. out he is really like, capable of having a big influence on a senior men's game, yep. that means he is very capable of having a big influence yep. on a U23 game. Because don't forget, Ulysses Giannis is the player that, for some reason, I don't fully know why, was not called up to any of the U23 camps mm-hmm. under Jason Christ, but was a member of that Tabramash U20 World Cup team. And his, his cohorts, like what, Alex Mendes, Rishi Ledesma, those guys have been called up to those U23 camps. Yanez was just the missing name for some reason. And instead, he's now skipped straight to the senior national team tryout. Maybe he's the one with the most to gain, actually, now I'd say it that way, because this is a chance that maybe we didn't see coming because it looked like he was being left out for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this I, again, I'm thinking about Olympic qualifying. You I'm are very about, excited about Ulysses Yanez. I Potentially. I'm yeah. excited about the possibility of if he can do what he did against U20s and U19s against grown men, then suddenly I'm very excited. But I also realize that that's quite a large... Mm-hmm. A large leap to make, right? So let's hope Yanez makes that leap. Whenever we have young, like, like creative players come in into the national team, there always seems to be that one moment when they try something, and it's like, ooh, that maybe came off against 17-year-olds, but not against yeah. senior players. How many of those are you going to give him before you get frustrated? Three. Okay, three. 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 Yeah. Regardless of whether or not he pulls them off, after three... Oh, no, if he does, if he pulls it off three times, then it doesn't go count, for it, Okay, right? cool, yeah. cool. All right, yeah. but it's three unsuccessful ones before you're like, okay, that's enough. I was imagining three unsuccessful ones in a row. Okay. I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so I'll be disappointed not to see him. I will be disappointed in Justin Glad not getting a cap because the man deserves a cap. Just, <laughs> Just give him one. Just think he's Just give him one, one. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the last one, strangely, is Chase Gasper. Um, and All it's right. less so, like, I'm not going to be – I will definitely be much more disappointed if we see no Ulysses Yanez. But Chase Gasper, just because I want to see a more attacking left back and what that does to the way the U.S. plays and how Greg Berhalter wants to play because I don't know if we'll always have the luxury of having one stay home and one advance I wouldn't mind seeing a yeah. little bit of variation there also Brendan Aronson okay just because I got hyped for him in November mm-hmm. um, I think it's quite rare to have a teenage midfielder with creativity yeah. who also offers some like defensive hustle mm-hmm. um, so that that's why I think it's time to get him on the field and see if again see if he can do that against in a senior international game I'll echo we that we know he can do it against grown men because he's done it in major league soccer that's what I was going to say I'll echo that because when I've seen him play it was either like the majority of, one, of, of watching him play has been near the very end of the season when Philly were sort of trying to cement where they were going to be in the playoffs but then going into the playoffs 
it's it's not necessarily the best indication of how he plays because it's so pressurized and high intensity and he doesn't want to make mistakes and and it's playing against very good teams the further you go into the playoffs so yeah. how he does against a B team from Costa Rica or what he is able to do in this team i think that makes him very intriguing to watch for start sure start him i say mm-hmm. start him all, all right. right john mark asks yep. yeah, okay this is the question we uh, we hinted at earlier he asked us for the the over under on ulysses janas getting 30 minutes of playing time if he does not start i will take the under and I'm sad about it. I will take the over mm-hmm. because even if you get subbed in at like 60 minutes, there's probably a couple of minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance you get at least like 32, 33 It's going to be very... If you get subbed in at like the 67th minute, I'm going to be real upset. Uh, I get, I'll I'm actually not. I'll still be happy that he's on the field. I'll leave it to you to track extra time. I went back and looked. In the last two January friendlies under Greg Berhalter, first substitutions occurred in the 62nd and 63rd minutes. They still could just make it. Mm-hmm. Could they, he could just he make could. it. It um, just requires him to be one of the first substitutions. Yeah. Which uh, I feel like he would be if he were going to sub into this one. <laughs> all right. Revolution Report. Mm-hmm. Uh, Revolution Report asks. They have no bias at all on this one. Oh, and sorry. The one thing I would say is you always seem to get wingers subbed, right? Because it's yep. a hard-working, hard-running position, and it's a good thing to introduce fresh legs late in a game on the wing. I'm going to say. That's why I think we see Yanez at some point because there's only three wingers, yeah. two positions. You're going to see a sub. I'm going to say if he subs in 65th minute or under, then that's that counts as 30 minutes, in which case, yeah, I think he probably does that. But there might be five minutes of added time. I know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Revolution Report asks, should Matt Turner start? Sure. Maybe. Probably no, not, though. He's the third choice keeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It's just more so, like, I don't really have strong opinions on any of these goalkeepers. Like, I can, you could make an argument for, for Sean Johnson. I'd be like, yeah, okay. You could make an argument for Bill Hamid. And yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that finds you. I mean, I made the Turner. seniority argument for Sean Johnson, mm-hmm. which I think is the correct one. Do you want to know why I'll make an argument for Matt Turner? Because he used to play for Richmond That's Kickers. the only reason yeah. why. <laughs> I mean, that's not a good... Re- much like uh, Revolution Report, yeah. I'm sure you're making the argument uh-huh. because you're a New England Revolution fan and Turner's the New England Revolution goalkeeper, right? Yep. That's not necessarily a good reason... Not so much. ...to start Matt Turner for the national team. Not so much. <laughs> like, I don't think Adama Traore should start for Spain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I do. Oh, maybe he should now, yeah. <laughs> See, there we go. I'm not even a Wolves fan. There we go. Uh, but if you play for the Richmond Kickers, he should definitely start for Spain. <laughs> a double try, that is. Casey Goldman, mm-hmm. which of the zero cap players has the best shot of turning into a U.S. national team regular? I'm going to answer this for myself because I'm going to guess Daryl took a different approach to this. But I didn't really feel comfortable saying that any of the players with like zero caps who were very young. Please tell me you didn't choose a non-zero cap player. I chose Brandon Cervania, who has zero caps. There we so go. Far. Okay, uh, but I think because with Yanez, with Ferreira, Ko, Araujo, they're still too unknown for me to say like definitely this 17 year old is going to become a regular starter for the national team. This 18 year old, like I didn't f- feel quite so. Comfortable I got it. With so Cervania's farther along in his career, further along in his career, exactly. So it makes more sense. Too. But I think, but I think also with him being a number eight, we know Weston McKinney can like will occasionally miss some games with injury. We know where Christian Roldan is in terms of what he's going to bring to the national team. And I think Brandon Cervania, if he does end up playing that number eight spot, if he has a really strong camp and a strong performance here, could sort of keep working, keep developing, and maybe supplant Christian Roldan. That puts him as like the number two, mm. number eight, and we'll see where it goes from there. I did also have Justin Glad and or Mark McKenzie, just because I also think center back spot, aside from John Brooks, if and when he's healthy, and maybe Tim Ream is still a little bit up in the air. We would assume it's Aaron Long if we're starting a game tomorrow. But I think a really strong season from either of them, combined with strong showings for the national team, could bump Glad or McKenzie. McKenzie or both up uh, the rankings a little bit. So I would weirdly, he's not my pick, but he's my second choice. I would weirdly make the same argument you just made for Savannah mm-hmm. for Brendan Aronson. That's fair. Even though he's a teenager, what, he's 19, he has a couple years of uh, like just MLS mm-hmm. full season experience under his belt already at a very young age. Yeah. So I think of him as more, uh, as further along in his career than most 19 year olds, right? So there's a chance there. But I think the problem with all of them is it's a crowded midfield, right? It is. It's Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, to come in. Dwayne Octavius Holmes still, it, the clock hasn't struck Octavius a clock yet. So it is not. I would one more time make the argument for Jesus Ferreira. I actually think purely because of the, the lack of depth at striker. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really solid argument because yeah, because we don't know what's going to happen with Josh Sargent for the remainder of the season. We never know what's going to happen with Josie Altador. We kind of know what's going to happen with Jesse Zardes. So yeah, I think any striker who can really catch fire, catch form, prove that they belong there, I think has a decent shot of being there regularly. All right. Uh, Owen Davis asks, do you think, quote, the system, unquote, will succeed with this group of players? How will we be able to tell it succeeds? 
I mean, I, I think if the United States looks somewhat fluid from the first, maybe from 10 minutes on, I would like to see them start faster than that. But from 10 minutes on, if we see them sort of like, oh, okay, that they're doing this every time, or that player is open consistently. Yeah, that the player is play I'm talking about, right? Exactly. Yeah. Then I think you can sort of just see it happening. If you're not like, wow, they've kicked it out of bounds again, or wow, they've just gone long with it, or wow, they've been dispossessed through the middle, yeah. then I think if that is the case, then it's probably a sign that it's not working, the patterns of play aren't there, we're not really seeing the system function. But if you don't have to worry about the system functioning, then I would say it is functioning. And I would also argue that um, I think it should work with this group of players Mm -hmm. because this is a group of players that there's no one that you would say, or a lot of the players we've named in our starting 11, none of them that you would say they're kind of like clunky players, right? Mm-hmm. Jackson Yule is clever and sharp with his passing. Brendan Aronson can pick a pass. Sebastian Legette has an eye for it. There's no one who's just like, oh, there's a slightly clumsy guy in the middle there yeah. who can't execute this, right? You've got the bit of creativity from, say, Yanez or Lewis. We mm-hmm. know Paul, Ari- Paul Ariola can do it. We've already you seen You want it. to call him Paulie, don't you? I want to call him Paulie Paul Ariola. Yeah, yeah, it, it just, sounds right. It, sound, it sounds yeah. a lot more fun. It does. So I would say like, the skill set of these players is suited to playing the Greg Berhalter way, yes. right? And in terms of how will we know if it's succeeding... It's what Taylor said, right? You'll see, you will see the patterns of play mm-hmm. happening. I think for like an extra bonus, or maybe for proper success, they also have to happen at pace, right? They can't happen in a slow way where no. you, you don't want to see the hamster wheel turning in players' no. heads as they're, as they're pulling off these movements and passes. You want to see it just happen as if by instinct, but actually by repetition. Here, here is the way I will crystallize that, because I agree with everything you said. When the U23s, I believe it was, were playing a friendly against Brazil, I kept seeing Justin Glad, who was playing left center back, receive the ball, turn to play it down the left side. No one would be there. He would wait a second and turn and play it back to the other center back or back to the goalkeeper. Yeah. And then you could see him turn and start talking to somebody. And eventually you would see that left back drop a bit more automatically. But right there, if you're seeing a player sort of turn to pass the ball where they think a player should be and no one is there, and then there's that sort of like, uh, okay, I guess I'll do something else. Yeah. Right there to me, that means there's been a communication breakdown. If I've understood you correctly, though, this speaks well of Justin Glad understanding the system. Yes. Because he's looking for the pass that's supposed to be there as designed by Jason Christ overseen by Greg Berhalter yes right I would say yes so he's looking for that pass to be on it just wasn't there and it wasn't his fault that it wasn't there but he's instinctively Mm -hmm. looking for it and he's communicating you should be there yeah I'm suddenly a Justin Glad fan yeah Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) perfect but uh, yeah I think anytime you see a player visibly like well that's not how that's supposed to be yeah and I don't just mean getting tackled or like maybe making an errant pass once or twice but really when you can just tell like oh that pattern is not quite connecting yeah. or, or that one sort of the of cards is of out play. of place in this yes, machine exactly yeah. exactly uh. well said thank you for succinctly summarizing before I continue to ramble uh, instead <laughs> I'll just ask the final question I yeah, believe go for it comes from Richard Rolson uh, based on Greg Berhalter's past use of friendlies what is a reasonable expectation of success what will coach Berhalter see as a successful match beyond getting a win okay so Richard's looking for an answer that isn't just like winning the game which yeah. I think is a fair way to phrase it after what Berhalter said after yeah. the 3-0 loss to Mexico where he was real happy yeah I think <laughs> result in this game does not matter to Greg Berhalter. I think yeah. if they could lose 3-0 and you're going to hear him say, like, we learned important things. They could win 3-0 and you're going to yeah. hear him say, we learned important things. And we can disagree with that. Mm-hmm. And very sensible yep. and correct people can disagree with that. But if that is the metric Berhalter is going with, what what are the actual metrics for what he wants to see in terms of success? I think it's the stuff we just talked about yeah. with patterns of play, mm-hmm. with that happening quickly. Yeah. I, th- I think seeing players who've had a lot of time and a lot of uh, opportunities to get very familiar with each other, seeing how they have gelled or haven't gelled, but hopefully have gelled, and how quickly they can execute uh, different passing sequences or sort of almost like check down the way a quarterback would have, like, that's not on, that's not on, so I go to pl- like option C. Yeah. I know I'm describing it as a bit more like scientific and like deliberate than it probably ends up being because it's yeah. soccer and it's free-flowing. But I think when we can see those sort of thought processes occurring and those sort of sequences occurring as a result, I think that's a thing that Greg Berhalter is absolutely going to be looking for. I want, those th- I want to see those thought processes occurring, mm-hmm. but I only want to be able to see it when I rewatch it. You yes. don't want to be able to see it live because when you see the checklist live, then you know it's happening too slowly, right? right? You should only be able to see it on rewatch. That's a fair point. <laughs> I, I do also think, like, this is a bit more abstract, I guess, but like, this would be the game where, say, the United States did end up losing 2 0 and they didn't look that good. This is the game I would be least frustrated if Greg Berhalter came out and said, like, no, I saw some good things and I'm happy with the result just because it is a January friendly against with like a B team against a B team. And I think it is a lot of him sort of seeing who might fit going forward this yes. year. That's the expectation of right. success, right? Mm-hmm. Is to come out of it with some knowledge. Like, even if it is, and I say this with all due respect, yep. if it's like 
all right, Chase Gasper's not going to work. Mm-hmm. At least we found out on February 1st against Costa Rica, yeah. right? Or if we find out Chase Gasper has something to offer going forward, we found out February 1st against Costa Rica. And I think with that in mind, right there, maybe that is the like l- measure of what is success from this game, is that if Chase Gasper is starting in the Nations League playoffs, or if, or if I don't know, who, who like Ferreira is involved in World Cup qualifying. I think we have seen that like this player came through the camp, they, blend with, they blended well, he learned what he needed to learn to feel comfortable including them in future teams. Yep. If these players are being incorporated down the road, w- whenever that might be, then I think that's a sign that this was a successful camp, yep. regardless of the result on the field. Do you mind if I go on about Ferreira a little bit more re- as it relates to this? Um, I've mentioned the lack of depth in the, the scene Striker pool. This is a podcast. They couldn't see that. I gestured for Daryl to go ahead. <laughs> it was a very magnanimous gesture. Um, there's also, if you look at the uh, the U23 rosters mm-hmm. that Christ has called up, it's heavy with talent, like all over, like centre backs. You've got like Cameron Carter Vickers, uh, like playing in England. You've got Mackenzie and Glad. Uh, you, you've got guys like Cannon uh, could play right back. You've got Paxton Palmer, Callum midfield. There's reasons to be excited everywhere. Centre forward is always the one where everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> like they they, yeah. they tend to be like um, MLS players like um, Obobasi or mm-hmm. Mason Toy, who are good players, but they're not like, oh, I'm super excited about this guy. Right. right? To me, Jesus Ferreira, he could be the guy that if he comes out of this game with success, he's like the missing piece in that. To me, he's the missing piece in that March Olympic qualifying roster. All right. I I appreciate your positivity and sentiment. I am. Then you patronize me at the end of the show. I'm not trying to. It's just more so like I I still because I think in the past I have been the one to get hyped about people more so than you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to just you know like yes if he comes out and has an amazing game and scores a hat trick I would be like that's great yeah but now I I'm still not going to be like yep yeah, he's the number one striker let's do this thing not All saying right. that you are but I will still have a measured approach to whatever happens in this game okay unless we lose horrifically and look awful in which case I'll probably yell and scream <laughs> but if we come out of it with Ferreira looking good and mm-hmm. Ulysses Jonas looking good then suddenly Olympic qualifying looks exciting because mm-hmm. you can add them to Mendes and Ledesma and all the rest and mm-hmm. Pomical and the future like as soon as September looks exciting in mm-hmm. terms of one or two of those guys being senior national team players right fair if not, if Ferreira and Yanez look overmatched, then it's kind of like an Aronson looks overmatched against someone like David Guzman. I mean, who's like Cervania as well. So Cervania, they're just because you no, have the Aronson loyalty. No, no, I'm going with teenagers here. Uh-huh. Like if these teen, these talented teenagers. I'm talking about a twenty-year-old. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. Is he, is he only 20? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so if those guys look overmatched against guys like, say, Guzman mm-hmm. or Yeltsin Tahada, mm-hmm. then it kind of means, or it might indicate, Oh, the future has to wait. Okay. Right? The future is not quite here yet. You're going to have to wait a couple more years. But it could mean the future is almost here if yeah. they do well, right? <laughs> Don't put too much pressure on this game, but that's what I'm reading into it. That feels like a more dramatic sequel to Back to the Future. <laughs> Back to the sequel four, the future's almost here. Do you, do you get my sort of what I'm do, I do, I do, I do, it, yeah. might, it might be an indicator of how close these talented teenagers are mm-hmm. to actually being ready to contribute or we yeah. have to wait a couple of years for them to be done cooking. I agree. <laughs> I agree and hope we don't have to wait that long for them to be done cooking. Uh, okay, if we're going to watch this on television, mm-hmm. it's on Saturday. Yep. Um, kickoff is, I believe, 4 o'clock Eastern. So they say. So it's going to be in the middle of the afternoon, right, mm-hmm. in, uh, in California. It's on ESPN News. It is. Is that weird? It's very weird. Does everybody have that or not? Uh, like if you get so. ESPN and you get ESPN2, do you get ESPN News, but you probably just don't know what number it is? Yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> Sounds about right. I'm assuming it? it's on ESPN Plus as well, if you're a Plus member slash subscribing. I think it's, if it's not on ESPN, the, ooh, it's on know. there. Uh, and if not, then it's on, I believe, Unimas and TUDN. It is. It is on TUDN and mm-hmm. Unimas. Um, and it will be on the Total Soccer Show later that day. Um, Friday night, again, that's happening, US Women's National Team in the second Olympic qualifier against uh, Panama. Mm -hmm. Uh, That game is, I believe, 8.30 kickoff. That is also on TUDN Extra, and it's on Fox Soccer Plus and on FoxSports.com. We will have a review of that game uh, bundled with our US Men's National Team Costa Rica review on Saturday. Daryl just did all of the televisioning from memory. Well done, sir. Way to know channels. I sure did. They call me the electronic promo... They don't. They call me the electronic programming guide. I have no idea who the they is in that scenario, but I'm going to assume there's many of them and it's something that happens when I'm not around. It was secretly just me. Okay. And it's not really a nickname I want to stick with. Um, Okay. But speaking of electronic programming guides, when I I look at it, I see on Saturday, Mm -hmm. 12.30pm Eastern, it's Manchester United hosting Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's another TSS derby. I asked, can we play you every week? And the soccer, to be the case. soccer God said yes. Yeah. They did. It's the 30th one this season, I think. 30th Total Soccer Show derby. So if that game's any good, 
uh, and interesting to neutrals. Maybe we'll review that as well. If it's not and Wolves lose, we'll just pretend it never happened. All right. Uh, so we'll pretend it never <laughs> happened. To that. We will not pretend uh, that the scouting network never happened. Should it's we talk happening. some scouting? It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots of uh, new scouties have been assigned to scouts. Lots of exciting young players to talk about. You, you're checking that? It works out, right? It's still mm-hmm. right. Um, let's start with Elijah Cool. Elijah Cool is scouting Gabriel Martinelli, 18-year-old Brazilian forward for Arsenal. Um, Elijah says Martinelli scored um, in both of Arsenal's draws against Sheffield United and Chelsea. His hard work against Sheffield saw him score a tapping goal via a pass from uh, Bakary Saka in the 1-1 draw. His goal against Chelsea was off a blues corner in which he collected a loose ball. um, And Elijah says he dribbled roughly 80 yards. I'm going to say he kicked the ball forward and ran after it Hmm. for 80 yards. Passed a fallen N'Golo Conte to score calmly into the bottom corner. The goal was Martinelli's 10th in all competitions for Arsenal this year. Not bad for a teenager. Not, not bad at all. Not too bad at all. Matt Koss scouting uh, Lucas Toussaint, 22-year-old French defensive midfielder for Lyon for now. Uh, Toussaint earned a three-times salary increase uh, in his move from Lyon to Hertha Berlin for €24 million, Euros, plus a 10% sell-on fee. He will stay with Lyon on loan until the end of the season, after which time he will move to Berlin to begin his Fußball and Deutsch learning career. <laughs> uh, training, rather. Uh, bonus question if we have time from Matt uh, what is a sell-on percentage fee clause? It is so if Herta sell Toussaint for say his next move is for 50 million euros mm-hmm. um, Leon will get 10% of that so Leon will get an extra 5 million uh, if he's sold for 50 million so 10% goes to the selling club it's just a way for Leon to make more money on Toussaint down the road. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to them. Yeah I guess maybe I it's still weird to me that uh, Toussaint moves from Lyon to Hertha Berlin. Why is that? Because Lyon's a bigger team than Hertha Berlin. I mean, a, a bigger team that's never going to win the French title again. You, At least with think? Hertha Berlin, maybe you're challenging. Maybe you move up the ranks a little bit. You never know what happens there. I I bet you Hertha Berlin doesn't win the Bundesliga in the next two decades. All right. Yeah. So the rest we'll of Lucas Toussaint's career. Yeah, we will. We will. And it won't be that. Um, all right. Ready for the next one? Uh, Daniel Pitcock is scouting uh, Falarin Balogun, the 18-year-old English-Nigerian-American forward. He's a triple hyphenate for Arsenal. Daniel says, after scoring 28 goals in 28 games last season, Balogun has attracted the attention of several clubs. Most recently, Arsenal rejected a £5 million bid from Brentford. Uh, Brighton Cassell scouting Lee Kang-in, the 18-year-old South Korean attacking midfielder for Valencia. Uh, Lee got his first start since coming back from injury in Valencia's 1-0 victory over Lagrones in the Copa del Rey round of 32. Lee was deployed as a second striker in a 4-4-2 with freedom to come deep and help link up play. He had a shot cleared off the line in an otherwise overall solid performance. All right, well done, Lee. Ira Jersey is scouting Ashley Sanchez, 20-year-old American attacker for the Washington Spirit. We saw her get drafted. We did. Um, Ira says Ashley declared late for that 2020 NWSL draft in which the Spirit traded up to take her as the fourth overall pick. Apparently, when asked what she was most excited about playing for the Spirit, she replied... The money. Mm-hmm. That's not a good answer, Ashley. Ashley has played in every Youth World Cup she's been eligible for, but was not surprisingly left off of the Olympic qualifying roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, uh, Ashley Sanchez has not signed her contract with the Washington Spirit. I think, was it Pablo who was tweeting that there yeah. were rumors that other European clubs were interested in maybe giving her more money to go yeah. play there? And I did. I uh, CC'd Ira Jersey via Twitter mm-hmm. um, on that, and he said I might need to send an updated scouting report. And then he later said... Turns out I don't need to send an updated scouting report. So maybe there's been even more movement where it looks like uh, Sanchez will sign with the spirits. Um, we'll know more in the next few days. We shall see. We shall see. In the meantime, uh, Oscar Leung is scouting Michael Obafemi, the 19-year-old Irish forward for Southampton. Uh, Obafemi started in Southampton's 2-0 win over Crystal Palace, showing good dribbling and almost earning an assist late on. The Sky uh, Sports presenter, meanwhile, mistakenly announced that former Newcastle forward Obafemi Martins was starting for the Saints, and he apparently said that mid-game, which is uh, an interesting time to introduce that. Maybe he just had fond memories of Obafemi Martins. It's possible. Um, Willie Reed is scouting Jesus Vellier the 23-year-old Spanish centre-back for Real Madrid. Oh, I know what's happened here. Um, Willie says, I can't imagine a player could have a worse loan spell than Viejo just had for the first half of the season at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Nuno personally contacted Viejo last summer to ask him to come to Wolves on loan, but after an incredibly bad performance against Chelsea in September, um, Viejo could rarely even make the bench. Having lost his place in the team, Real Madrid recalled Viejo and sent him on loan to Granada to finish the year. Um, But Willie says Granada at a mid-table in Spain and have had a really solid defence so far so it may be difficult for him to break in there as well. 
Tough times for Vallejo. Tough times for him indeed. Be better at defending. Uh, but what have you got going on over there? You were holding your phone to your forehead briefly while you're reading that scouting report. I was seeing if there's any updates on uh, Ashley Sanchez. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, while you check that, I will tell you that Brian Gardner is scouting Moise Keane, the 19-year-old Italian forward for Everton. Uh, Keane scored his first goal for Everton uh, in 30 minutes in their 2-2 draw at home to Newcastle. I think it was in the 30th minute, but it might have been in 30 minutes. Who knows for sure? Uh, Keane received a ball over the top uh, of the Newcastle defense which he then settled before slotting it low and to the right of Newcastle goalkeeper Martin Dubrovka. Uh, the Goodison Park crowd was finally able to see Moise Keane's <laughs> celebration dance. And about time too. Mm-hmm. Guy Yedwab is scouting Serge Gnabry, the 23-year-old German wide forward for Bayern Munich. Guy says, scouting report correction. Last week I told you that Gnabry had a ruptured Achilles during the you winter did. break. I noticed he played after that, which Mm -hmm. was a bit weird, right? Um, Turns out the word ruptured was a bad mistranslation from the original German in build. Although he did have a serious Achilles injury, his late February return date turned out to be very pessimistic, as Gnabry has already returned to playing the last 20 minutes of Bayern's 5-0 romp over Schalke. I'm going to say not that serious of an Achilles injury if he's already back and playing in a 5-0 win. Agree. Uh, Alex Quast scouting uh, Karamoko Dembele, the 16-year-old Scottish-English attacker for Celtic. Dembele got his first Scottish Premiership minutes of the season, subbing on in the 85th minute of Celtic's 3-0 win against Ross County. He then started for the Celtic Reserves in their match against Huddersfield Town's development team. In the 8th minute, Dembele got on the end of a deflected low cross from Liam Burt and thumped it into the bottom right corner from about 14 yards out. Celtic went on to win the game 3-1. Ashley Sanchez update is I can't find any news. I'm going to wait for Ira Jersey to let us know when she officially signs that Washington Spirit contract or doesn't. So now you're every uh, transfer site. Uh, Breaking news. No news yet, but some may come. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Great. That's how you get the clicks. Grey Hair Gaming is scouting Indiana Vasilev, the 18-year-old American attacker for Aston Villa. Grey Hair says the Indiana Vasilev hype train is inching closer to leaving the station. I'd say it's already left. Um, He made his Premier League debut in the 67th minute um, in the 1-1 draw with Brighton, followed up by coming on in the 77th minute in this 2-1 win over Watford. He became the second youngest American ever to play in the Premier League at 18 years, 11 months and 2 days. And we looked this up earlier The youngest American ever to play in the Premier League is... I'm leaving a gap for listeners to answer. They've had enough time. If you don't know by now without looking, you won't ever know. Who was it, Taylor? Brexit. It was not Rekshay, it was Jonathan Spector. That's right. from Man United when he was 18. <laughs> yes, that, he did indeed. He was the tiny baby back then. He sure was. And Roy Keane was staring at him angrily. <laughs> but he does that to everybody. He does. So no he need does. to take it personally, Jonathan Spector. Um, thank you to everybody for the scouting reports. If you'd like to join the Total Soccer Show Scouting Network, it's totalsoccershow.com slash join. Sign up, support the show, and then we give you a player to scout. If you've done so and you haven't received a player, email me, not Taylor, email me, D-A-R-Y-L at totalsoccershow.com and I will make sure that we get a player assigned to you. Taylor's busy doing woodwork and other things. Something like that. Something like that. DIY projects. Um, So thank you to everybody for the scouting reports. Taylor, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening and we will be back on Saturday with our review of the US versus Costa Rica and the US versus Panama. Come on, CONCACAF, we'll take on all of you. (laughs) 